Good morning. What a beautiful day outside, yeah? It's more beautiful than that. Come on. Let's make some noise. Yeah, this is why we live in Phoenix, Arizona for such a time as this. It is just beautiful. Well, we are so honored that you're here to join us today in the room. And then for those of you that are watching at home, we just want to say thank you for joining with us. This is the last week of a series we've been doing called Strange New World. And wow, our world is so different right now, isn't it? This series has been really interesting for us to look at how Jesus can be working in our lives in the midst of this crazy world that we're all a part of. And as I've been thinking about this world and how different it is for me and then different for the different generations in my life, I was thinking back to one of my grandpas. You see, one of my grandpas rode a horse to school. Can you believe that? The automobile was a huge change in his lifetime. And then I always remember my dad bragging when I was a little kid that, hey, I grew up without a television set. You see, my dad didn't get a television set until he was sometime in his teen years. Kind of crazy, the changes. And then for me, when I went off to college, believe it or not, this is going to date me. I didn't have a computer. You know what I took with myself to college in a suitcase? A typewriter. How many of you out there can relate to that? Yeah. Those of us in there remember taking a typewriter. Crazy. And then my children, the big change in their life, I think, has probably been a cell phone. And now today, no one goes without a cell phone, right? We have cell phones everywhere we are. And it got me thinking about what is next? What about my grandkids? What's going to be in the next 5, 10, 15 years? What's going to be the next biggest change? This is a strange new world that we live in. And so just to kind of dialogue about this a little bit more, I'd like you to turn and face the people that you're sitting next to and just share with them, what do you believe is one of the biggest changes that you've seen in your lifetime? Or what's one of the strangest things that you never thought would happen or would change since you were a little kid till you are right now? So take about a minute, talk to people around you about this strange new world. Go for it. Well, thank you guys for sharing. It definitely is a strange new world, even in the last couple of years with what we've experienced with COVID. And so for this entire series, we've been asking ourselves, what does the Bible have to say about this? What can we do to apply some things to our life to help make this strange new world not so strange, not so new? How can we be a light for Jesus Christ in our local community and around the world? And we've kind of been anchored on Romans chapter 12, verses one and two. Each week we've shared that. I wanna read that with you one more time. Romans 12, one and two says this. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. These past couple of weeks, I've been reading not just those two verses, but the entire rest of the chapter of chapter 12. And I really believe that it's crazy that Paul wrote these words 2,000 years ago to encourage his listeners on how to behave, how to interact with his strange new world and it's amazing that I believe that those same words that he wrote then are applicable and helpful for us today. 
So what I'd like to do is read the rest of this chapter, starting in verse nine, all the way through verse 21. So at first, just simply listen to these words, listen to what Paul said, and then we're gonna dive into it in a more detailed approach. But Paul said this, starting in Romans 12, verse nine. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. And if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So again, what I'd like to do now is just kind of go through those different commands that Paul gave to his listeners 2,000 years ago and see how they're still applicable to us today. So before we listen to these in more detail, let's just take a quick moment, take about 15 seconds. I want to encourage you just to pause silently and ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you. I believe that there's at least one of these things that Paul said that the Holy Spirit is saying to you and to me, hey, this is something I want you to do this week. Let's be extremely practical. Let's see how we can go and live out in this strange new world and make a difference for Jesus Christ. So would you quickly take about 15 seconds, ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you, and then we'll continue on. Dear God, thank you so much for these words that Paul wrote such a long time ago. It is just crazy as we go through these to think about how impactful they can be in our lives if we put them into practice. And yet for so many of us, this is just not the way we think. It's not our default. It's not natural for us. So God, as we read these different commands, I pray that your Holy Spirit would be guiding us, would be speaking to us, would be convicting us of how it is that you want us to behave and to live in this strange new world. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, let's begin with verse nine and let's look at that verse. It says, love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. I think first of all, we need to determine what is evil and what is good. In this strange new world that we live in today, it seems like this comes down to our own personal opinion that if someone thinks, hey, that is good for me, then that must be good in general. If I think that is evil, then that must be bad and evil. People think if, if this is something that I don't like, then it must be bad. But if I like it, it must be good. And so as you can see that in our world today, it seems like self, we are the determining factor of the source of the truth between what is good and what is evil. But what about for you as followers of Jesus Christ? What is your source for knowing the difference between good and evil? 
In the last two weeks, Pastor Brad has shared with us two important practical things that I think can help us understand this. Number one, that the Bible is our ultimate source of truth. This is where we go if we're wondering what is good and what is evil. And so quite simply, the the thing that some of you may want to do is just actually read this book. For some of you, you may own one, you may own two, but it just sits on a shelf and you never engage with it. You never read it. You never let it speak to you. The second thing Brad talked about was the power of the Holy Spirit. When Jesus left, he gave us this gift. He said, my spirit will now come and live within you, dwell inside of you, and it will guide you to all righteousness. And for some of us, we maybe just need to simply slow down. I'll be honest, this is hard for me. I have all this influence in my life with media. I'm going, I'm accomplishing, I'm doing. And I oftentimes don't stop just to slow down and be quiet and be quiet for the purpose of listening to the Holy Spirit, letting the Holy Spirit guide me and lead me. So for some of you, you may want to go back and watch the last couple of messages as we talked about the power of the word and the power of the spirit being our determining factor of understanding what is good and what is evil. Number two, let's look at verse 10. It says, be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Honor one another above yourselves. Do we see that happening in our society today? Is that a normal, prevalent thing? No, it's not. In fact, it's just the opposite. It seems like our culture is screaming everywhere, it's all about me. That this is what I want to do. I want to experience everything that I want, and I'm what's most important. And what would it look like if we let other people know in our world that, you know what, actually, it's not about me, but it's actually about other people as well. What if instead we gave praise and honor to all the people who made it possible for us to succeed? It's a really simple thing, but over the last couple of weeks, I've been watching college and pro football games. And I don't know about you, but I notice every time a player makes a good play, what do they do? They prop themselves up. They do a little dance of some kind. You know, it's like they made this amazing play and they want everybody who's watching in the stadium or watching on TV to know, look at me, look at what I did. It's all about them. Wouldn't it be refreshing just once to watch a player make a great play and right away point over to the coaches on the sideline and say, they taught me, they trained me, they prepared me for this moment so I could do this. Or the trainer that you don't see in the back room, I was really struggling physically this week and he made it possible so that I could actually get on the field and play. Or you know what, my teammate over here, he actually blocked this other guy so that I could get in and make that play. Wouldn't that be refreshing? Yell at your screen today when you watch those games and say that. (laughs) Well, what about our places of work? How often do we see this in our places of work? How often are we going out of our way where we work, where we go to school, where we play to notice others? And when we succeed, instead of taking all the glory, to give that glory back to people around us, it doesn't happen very often. I've noticed that a lot of times all the attention goes to the people that are up here on the stage, but there's so many other people behind the scenes that are making everything happen so that this stage can actually take place the way that it does up here. In fact, there's people back in the back right now, pushing buttons, turning on lights, helping in all different capacities. And not only that, there's people all around this campus that serve each and every week. How about we take a moment right now and publicly honor them? If you serve in any capacity here at Copper Hills on a consistent basis, will you stand up right now? I just want to publicly honor you and thank you for what you do. Thank you guys very much. Thank you. I know that's awkward. I know, I know you don't want to stand. You don't want that glory. But every now and then, we just need to honor other people around us. So I want you to think about that. Maybe this week, that's your application. When you go to work, maybe you want to anonymously or in a quiet way honor someone. Or maybe you want to go out of your way publicly to let other people know that you will honor them 
and that you see what they're doing to help you be successful in your life. Number three, verse 12, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer. I don't know about you, but this is not easy or natural for me to do. This is not the way I normally think. And I have been blessed in these past two years to make a new friend. You'll see him on the screen right here. His name is Joseph. And Joseph has been an amazing friend in my life to help me understand this idea of being joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer. Let me explain. Uh, Two years ago, when I started leading the young adult ministry here at our church, we started meeting in my house. And there was this guy, Joseph, that just texted me one day. I didn't know who it was, never met him before. And he said, I want to come to your group. And he just showed up at my house two years ago. And ever since then, he's been coming almost every single week. You see, when Joseph was a a little boy, he was diagnosed with high-functioning autism. Life hasn't been easy for him. Making friends hasn't been easy. But Joseph has hung in there. He's been faithful. He has been patient. And at the beginning, I'll be honest, he made it clear to me, Paul, I'm not here because I I like God. I don't even know if I believe in God. Don't ask me to pray. I just kind of want some friends. Would it be okay if I just hang out and develop some friends? And so for these last two years, I've got to know Joseph. Our group has loved him. He has loved us. He's been probably one of the most faithful attenders. And every week after it's over, Joseph always comes up to me and he says this, Paul, it's time to pray. You see, over the last two years, he went from not believing in God through everything that he's experienced. Now he believes in God 100%. He went from never praying to now he wants to pray every time we're together at group. Joseph sometimes will call me on the phone and just ask to pray on the phone. Joseph had never been outside of the United States and he's been to Mexico on a mission trip with me three times now. Not only that, when Joseph found out I was taking a group of people to the Holy Lands, he said, I think God wants me to go. Joseph in two months is going to be going to the Holy Lands for the first time in his life. Pretty cool. So on Tuesday nights, when we wrap everything up and it's usually nine o'clock or 930, everyone else is gone. There's always Joseph. And he says, Paul, now it's time to pray. And so we walk outside, we go out into the back where the, the park is and the grass. And I always ask him the same question. You want to go first, Joseph, or you want me to? And his answer always is, I want to pray first. And I wish you could just experience it. He doesn't close his eyes. He doesn't fold his hands or bow his head. He just has his eyes open. His arms are moving. He's just talking to God like he was talking to his best friend. And sometimes it's five minutes, 10 minutes. Sometimes it's 20 minutes. And I'll be honest, there's weeks when I'm like, man, I just want to go home. How can I dodge Joseph and get out of here so that he doesn't see me? But he has reminded me, he has been such a great example of me of this point of being faithful in hope, patient in affliction, and most importantly, faithful in prayer. For some of you, maybe you can be challenged by that. And that's what you want to apply to your life today is just actually spend some faithful time in prayer in your life. Let's look at number four. Share with the Lord's people who are in need and practice hospitality. One more time. Share with the Lord's people who are in need and practice hospitality. I want you to know here at Copper Hills, we believe that our life groups are one of the most important environments that we can create and that we can offer for you to get your needs met and for you to meet the needs of other people. Our goal is that every single person who calls Copper Hills home will be involved in some type of a life group in one way or form or another. One of the things that we've realized is that we're doing a really good job of meeting each other's needs. And in fact, in my own life group, we've been meeting for a couple years now. And as we started back up this semester in September, we realized we'd done a great job of meeting each other's needs, praying for one another, encouraging one another. But we were a little bit deficient 
in serving other people and loving people outside of just our own initial group. And so as we started the semester, we said, we want to take some time uh, this semester and we just want to love on other people. And we didn't know exactly what that was going to look like. And so we prayed about it. We brainstormed, we came up with some ideas. And this week we got to put into practice something. And I really want to share it with you. We just asked God to lay on our hearts the names of people who might just be in need of a little bit of love, a little bit of kind words, some encouragement. And we didn't want it to be just people in our our same kind of age demographic. You see, in my group, most of us are in our 40s and 50s. So we said, we want this to be a multi-generational kind of activity and event and experiment. So we invited people in their 20s all the way to people up in their 70s and 80s. And so this Wednesday, our group made a bunch of Mexican food. We met in the mini auditorium. There was about 16 of us and 16 other people that we invited. And we sat around some round tables and we just shared a meal together. We just got to know each other. I had some questions for them to talk through. And it was an amazing, refreshing night of just spending time with people in their 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, and even 80s. We realized how much we had had in common and yet how different our lives were but how much it was great to just hear what was going on in each other's lives and encouraging one another. I wanna encourage some of you in our life group ministry to try something like that. Host an event and invite some other people. Those of you that aren't involved in a life group, maybe get involved in a life group or just simply invite some people over to your house. Share a meal together, share your house together, spend some time together. In these last couple of years, COVID has really isolated us and kept us by ourselves in this strange new world that we live in. I think we can actually practice hospitality by just simply doing life together. I want to encourage you to think about that. The next one I want to share with you is found in verse 14 and then jumps a couple of verses and continues on in verses 17 through 20. It says this, bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse. Verse 17, do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will, re- you will heap burning coals on his head. Wow, nobody lives like this, right? No, this is the world that we live in today. We take revenge. We get back at people. And that last verse is interesting to me. It says, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. I know what some of you are thinking right now. It's like, okay, I will be nice to this guy who has wronged me because I can't wait for those burning coals to be heaped (laughs) upon his head. No, that's not the point. You're not getting it. The idea is not for you to be in control. It's for God to be in control. You love people. You do good to someone who does bad to you and you let God take care of the rest. I know in our culture today, we may not think, you know, I'm not really persecuted or taken advantage of in the way that Christians and believers of God are in other parts of the world. And I know that's a much more difficult situation. I was thinking about this in a really just simple way that maybe a lot of us interact with almost every day. I want you to think about how many times have you been driving in your car and somebody cuts you off? How do you feel? You're getting kind of angry or upset, aren't you? Do you respond the way that I do with like love and kindness and caring? <laughs> no, I don't respond that way. I'll be honest. I struggle with that. When somebody cuts me off or does something while I'm driving that I feel like is, is just ridiculous, I'll find myself wanting to speed up, get next to them and just kind of give them that look like what? <laughs> first day you've been driving, right? None of you do that, right? It's just me. 
Now, maybe we can relate to that. I've been thinking about this. How can I change this attitude or behavior? How can I be prepared for this? Because the reality is it happens to me all the time, but also I do it to people all the time as well. Accidentally, I'll cut someone off. I wasn't paying attention. I didn't see them. They were in my blind spot and I make a mistake. So what would it look like instead if we take a piece of paper and we maybe pre-wrote out some kind of an answer? Because a lot of times you can't talk to someone in another car. So if someone cuts you off, you drive up next to them and they're probably not even going to want to make eye contact with you, but you stick the paper up to the window so they can see it. And it says, you know what? I forgive you. It's no big deal. I did it to somebody else just yesterday. Let's all relax and let's just smile. What would it look like if we had pieces of paper like that as we were driving and we were putting those messages out to everyone? It would be weird. But that's the world we live in where everybody says, if somebody does something wrong to you, you can do it right back to them. You have every right to. And our blood starts to boil. Our anger goes up. Our frustration goes up. But instead, let's let God take care of that. Because the reality is we all make mistakes each and every day. Instead, let's share kindness. Let's share forgiveness. Let's give people a break for whenever they do something intentionally or unintentionally to us. Next one, number six. Verse 15 says, rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. As we're going through most of these things that Paul is saying, I'm realizing that it's not my natural way of responding to do these things, that this is not who I normally am. I have to work hard at some of these things. And I'll be honest with you, I'm blessed to live with someone who for this, this seems to be how they naturally act. You see, my wife is so good at this compared to myself that if there's somebody that we know in our sphere of influence, that something good happens to them, something amazing, my natural tendency is to go, gosh, why didn't I get something good like that? I think of myself. Instead, my wife wants to celebrate. She throws a party. She wants to celebrate those people, make everybody aware that this person had something good happen in their life. In the same way, if there's someone that we know that's struggling or dealing with something difficult or hard, my natural tendency is to go, glad that didn't happen to me. I'm out of that one. Instead, my wife will be the first one to jump alongside these people and pray for them and love them and let them know you're not alone. You have someone who can go through this with you. For some of you, maybe this is easy for you, like my wife, or for some of you, maybe it's hard like it is for me. And maybe right now, this is something you can be thinking about. How can I do a better job at work, at home, where I play, where I hang out of noticing people, taking notice and interest and rejoicing with them when something good happens? and being there for them, mourning with them when something difficult happens in their life. Number seven, verse 16. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. You know, as I was thinking about this, the reality is, is that most of us every single day rub shoulders and interact with people that are just like us. In basically the same stage of life, the same scenario of life that we're in. And so this idea of associating with people of low position is not normal or natural for us. We have to kind of go out of our comfort zone to put ourselves in a position to basically interact with people that are a lot different than us. I am so thankful that from a very early age, I've taken advantage of a lot of opportunities to travel around the world and see people in very different situations that I've been in. And I've been able to learn from them and be blessed by them and have an opportunity to bless them as well. You see, I want to challenge you right now to think about going on at least one of the different cross-cultural missions experiences we have here at Copper Hills. 
I wanna publicly just say, I'm so proud of our young people that when we do a lot of these missions experiences, there's 10, 15, 20, 30 people that go on the trip. And usually half of them are teenagers and people in their 20s. They do a great job of serving and getting involved and sacrificing their time. We also have a few retired people that come and serve and help out as well. But I wanna be honest with you right now. I'm a little frustrated with people that are just like me. The people that are missing from almost all of these missions experiences we do are people in their 40s and 50s. That bothers me. I know it got kind of quiet, but I just wanna convict and challenge some of you right now that maybe this is what God is saying. Be willing to sacrifice some of your money. Be willing to sacrifice some of your time to proactively put yourself in an environment where you're gonna have to interact with people of a different style than you are, a different stage of life than you are, a different culture from you. And I wanna give you a money back guarantee. I wanna guarantee you that if you try this and you go on one of these missions experiences, you're gonna find out that you thought you were going to bless someone else, but you're going to be blessed more than you could ever ask, think, or imagine. So I just wanna encourage you on this one. Maybe that's what God is asking you to do. Step out of your comfort zone, being willing to sacrifice some of your time, some of your resources to serve someone else that's in a different experience than you. And then finally, the last one, number eight, verse 21. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. You see, Paul wraps it up the way he starts it, talking about this idea of good and evil and what does it look like in this strange new world. And he reminds us that the way that we can make a difference in this world that we live in today that's so self-focused is taking our focus off of ourself, putting it on others and simply loving other people, doing good, overcoming this strange new world with the idea of loving others. And so here's what I wanna do. I wanna wrap it up by just showing you each one of these eight things one more time. And I wanna ask you to really be honest with yourself and say, what is it that you can do this very week what can you put into practice in your own life to be someone that is gonna not take this strange new world and just continue to keep it going the way it's going, but say, I'm gonna act differently. I'm gonna behave differently. I'm gonna think differently. And I'm gonna go out of my way to be a positive influence in this world for Jesus Christ. Here are the eight things. Number one, hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Number two, honor one another above yourselves. Number three, be faithful in prayer. Four, Share with those in need. Practice hospitality. Number five, bless those who persecute you. Do not take revenge. Number six, rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. Number seven, be willing to associate with people of low position. And then finally, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Would you join me in prayer? Dear God, we're so thankful that Paul wrote these words such a long, long time ago. And again, we are just blown away that these words are so true now, just like they were then, that if we want to make a difference in this world in your name, these are some really great practical things that we can do to help spread the love of your son, Jesus, so that this strange new world isn't so strange and it's not so new. So God, this week, I pray that you would convict us you would give us a heart that's willing to take notice and take interest of people that are around us, that we would step out of our comfort zone and that we'd say, how can we sacrifice for others and for you, God, the same way that your son Jesus sacrificed for us? Give us this courage and this perseverance to live like Jesus. It's in his name we pray, amen.